Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, June 5th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the latest from the National Weather Service's tropical depression, Cristobal, makes its turn northward. Then, as the nation enters its second weekend of widespread protests following the death of George Floyd, we look at how local protesters are fighting for change in Mississippi. And what one Mississippi organization is doing to address the inequities of the bail system. Plus, a new report from Save the Children reveals the disparities for children growing up in rural counties. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Tropical Depression Cristobal, which is bearing down on Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula, is expected to make a turn northward this weekend, bringing the threat of tropical storm winds and heavy rain. We are now joined by meteorologist Kevin Gilmore of the National Weather Service in New Orleans. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Karen. Uh, yeah, we, we continue to track uh, Tropical Depression Cristobal now. Uh, it's currently over the Yucatan Peninsula. Uh, storm is still expected to head north here. Um, it, probably within the next few days, it's going to reemerge back into the Gulf by late today, and we're still expecting impacts across southern and central Mississippi this late this weekend to early next week. So the the most rain, or we can expect heavy rain starting tomorrow sometime, or more likely on Sunday. Uh, it's looking like as far as timing goes with the heaviest rainfall, it's going to be more late Saturday going into Sunday and especially getting into Monday for the area. And that's going to begin on the Mississippi coastline and move up north through central Mississippi late Sunday into Monday. So heavy rainfall and for right now, coastal flooding is the main concerns for the state of Mississippi. So I guess I'm surprised a little bit to hear that it will affect central Mississippi as well. Uh, can central Mississippi expect heavy rain as well or will that be only on the coast? Absolutely. Central Mississippi does have a chance to see some widespread heavy rainfall and potential for some flash flooding. Uh, well, we, with the current track position as it is now, uh, they will be on the right side of the storm, which has the potential for widespread heavy rain, gusty winds, and even a few isolated tornadoes, uh, especially late Sunday and then getting into Monday more towards central uh, parts of Mississippi. I was looking at the forecast for the Gulf Coast, and it indicated rain through Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday. I know there's a flood watch in place through Tuesday or until Tuesday in South Mississippi. So is that heavy rain continuing or is that tapering off over those days after the next week begins? 
Once the storm magnets more towards the north on Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to be in that real rich Gulf moisture air mass. So we'll still have the chance for some showers and thunderstorms that could produce some locally heavy rainfall. However, the widespread impacts, including coastal flooding and high winds, should have diminished by that point. But we still have the risk for some locally heavy rainfall. When you talk about high winds, how high, how strong? Uh, it's potential to reach tropical storm force winds, especially as early as uh, earliest reasonable time, as early as late Saturday, maybe even going into late Sunday, they'll arrive on the coastline. Some tropical storm force wind gusts may be possible all the way up to central Mississippi as well. It's just one of those things where we have to watch it and make sure where the exact track is going to go. We can narrow down specific details, but for now, expect some tropical storm from wind, wind gusts at least from the coastline all the way to central Mississippi. It will strong, um, storm surge be a concern? Uh, it could be, absolutely. We are expecting minor to moderate coastal flooding uh, conditions along the Mississippi coastline. So we're basically saying for people who usually experience coastal flooding in low-lying areas, you, you'd probably buy high tides or from other storms. They may see some problems. You may see some uh, road inundation issues around the coastline. So we are expecting at least minor to moderate coastal flooding concerns. Kevin Gilmore with the National Weather Service in New Orleans. Thank you so much for the update. Hey, thank you. Coming up as the nation enters its second weekend of widespread protests following its death of George Floyd, the death of George Floyd, we look at how local protesters are fighting for change in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio. Or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Hundreds of people gathered Thursday afternoon in Minneapolis to honor the memory of George Floyd. His death while in police custody inspired protests and public uproar across the country. MPB's Kobe Vance reports on how local protesters are fighting for change in Mississippi. For eight minutes, a Minneapolis police officer pressed his knee into the neck of 46-year-old George Floyd as he cried out, I can't breathe. Video of Floyd's death spread throughout social media. Calvert White an Alcorn State University student from Clinton, says the video was just another example of police brutality against black Americans. At this point, I'm kind of desensitized because this isn't something new. This isn't some sort of shocking revelation. This isn't some new footage, you know, that I've seen. So while it is sad, it's, it's nothing new, you know. White is with Black Lives Matter Mississippi. He's helping organize a protest in Jackson outside of the governor's mansion this weekend. He says his great-grandfather was a freedom rider in the 1960s, fighting against segregated public buses. White says it's just as important now to fight for the rights of others, especially here in Mississippi. That situation isn't isolated. It's a system that was created not with African Americans in mind, but money. We are trying to reiterate the fact that Mississippi is no stranger to racial injustice. The actions of young protesters across the country helped push for the arrest of the four officers involved in Floyd's killing. But Robert James, president of the NAACP in Mississippi, says activists should be prepared to fight for the long haul. Things are not going to change by remaining silent. But I think when we keep the pressure on, we keep our voices out there, continue to protest in a peaceful way, people will hear our voice. 
and uh, eventually things would change. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight, but things would change. Protests across the country have seen outbreaks of violence and looting, while protests in Mississippi have remained peaceful. Governor Tate Reeves said Monday that he supports the First Amendment right to protest, but he says those who seek to incite violence while protesting will be stopped. There is no place for the anarchist, and there is no place for the antagonist here in Mississippi. Any efforts to do so will be overwhelmed. I am not threatening. I am promising that the full force of our state will be ready and willing to defend our communities. The past week has seen heavy debate over peaceful versus violent protests. Brandon Jones is policy director at the Southern Poverty Law Center. He's concerned that the reason behind the protests is being lost. Perhaps maybe more than focusing on the protests themselves and trying to create too much bluster over how those are being executed or how we might say they could be improved upon, looking deeply at what uh, the issues that are being raised. Jones says the issues of discrimination and unfair treatment of minorities today are nothing new in Mississippi. We still see an extreme mass incarceration problem. We still have many working families that are unable to find insurance because for political reasons we fail to expand Medicaid like so many other states have, even conservative ones. We still have inequity within our school system. These are all issues that were prevalent even as far back in Mississippi as 1964. Organizations like the NAACP have been fighting issues of discrimination and civil rights for decades. Robert James says the change necessary to fix these problems is still going to take some time. So we got 111 years of fighting this, and that shows you that we got a long way to go even after what Dr. King have done to fight for our rights. We still haven't arrived to the place that we need to be. But you can see from where we are in our society today that we're a long way from walking in unity to accomplish the ultimate goal that all of us will be treated equally. Protesters say they will be walking in unity this Saturday in Jackson, marching for justice for George Floyd and the countless others before him. Kobe Vance, MPB News. We recognize that bail has a hindrance many times to poor people um, and is disproportionately uh, provided at higher rates for people of color, especially black people. We're here in Mississippi to help relieve that problem, and make sure that people get out so that they have a better opportunity to have a fair trial. How do you feel about the protest? Why did your organization decide to do this? Well, we, we've been doing this work for a couple of years now, um, so it's not something that we decided to do. It's a part of our mission. Um, and so, um, you know, it is necessary. We did What I feel about the protest is that it is really critical that we began to look deeply at our criminal system and that we began to make transformative change. So I believe that the protesters have a valid point. I believe that we need to really fight and demand justice. I believe that police brutality and state violence is something that must end and it has never done our country or our people any justice. Um, in its execution, and so I think that what we really want to see and push for and what we are um, hoping for, and I think what protesters are hoping for, is for a push of transformative justice, a justice that literally begins to put resources in the hands of community members to actually create safety mechanisms for their communities. You know, the other thing that's really important is that we also know that there are alternatives to policing mechanisms of keeping communities safe. 
we recognize that community safety is a public health issue. And so when we look at violence, we need to be able to begin to look at violence as a public health issue. We've seen some protests in Mississippi, but not nearly to the extent that we have in larger cities and other areas. Why do you think that is? You know, I think in Mississippi, we have a different infrastructure. One, we have more rural cities than we do um, metropolitan cities. Um, and so our policing system is appears to be a little different, right? In a city like Jackson, the different political infrastructure that we have, I think, um, responds differently to actions of police brutality that we see happening across the nation. In a city like Jackson, many of the police officers that are on the beat are police officers that are either someone's uncle or someone's auntie or sister or brother. People in the community are familiar with them. They know them. Um, the other piece of that is that when incidents of police violence happen, immediately there's a response by our um, city officials. The other piece of this is that in many places, especially places like New York City and Los Angeles, they have a policing model where they purposely choose to hire police that are not from their area, right? Um, And that causes significant problems because it creates a whole level of fear in the officer that the people that they're going to protect, that they're supposed to protect are actually dangerous. That's a whole other issue. The only thing I would say which is different here is that in Mississippi, um, we have our policing problems. And a lot of those problems are also seen not in just local police, but in sheriff's departments. So our organizing here is a little more complex. It's not as uh, clear oftentimes as it is in some other places. Um, we have to push in a different way. And residents here understand that. How is the fundraising going? Have you been able to send money to different cities? Um, yep, we have um, been able to um, send money. We, we bailed out um, one of the protesters in Oxford. In addition to bailing out protesters, we're also still doing our COVID bailouts where we bail out people who are in jail because jail is no place for a pandemic. It's a very vulnerable population inside. And so we um, have been bailing people out who are in jail because they can't afford to pay their bail. So we, we were able to bail out one um, person in DeSoto County who was sitting in jail for a couple of months because he couldn't pay a $150 bail. Rakia Lamumba with the People's Advocacy Institute and also working with the National Bail Out um, Organization. Thank you so much for your time and speaking with us and sharing your thoughts, perspectives on these important issues. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Rukia Lumumba was talking about bail reform and uh, as another piece of comprehensive criminal justice reform. Coming up, a new report from Save the Children reveals the disparities for children growing up in rural counties. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, You can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. 
The first ever ranking of how each county in America protects and provides for its children reveals the most disadvantaged counties are mostly comprised of communities of color and nearly all are rural, poor, and concentrated in the South. The county rankings are based on four factors that cut childhood short. Hunger, dropping out of school, teenage pregnancy, and early death due to poor health, accident, murder, or suicide. Mark K. Shriver is Senior Vice President of U.S. Programs and Advocacy at Save the Children and President of Save the Children Action Network. He says among the more than 2,600 counties examined and ranked, Mississippi counties overall ranked low on the list. Overall, statewide, the kids across Mississippi are struggling. Uh, It's at risk, infant mortality. Uh, The state is uh, 50 out of 50th child food security. The state is 47th out of 50. Teenage pregnancy, again, 49th out of 50 states. Um, The homicide uh, and suicide rates rank Mississippi 45th out of 50 states. So there's a lot of work to be done there. I've been to Mississippi many, many times. Um, I've been uh, all across uh, that beautiful state, and there's hope, uh, but there needs to be an investment from the political leadership at all levels, from the municipal to the county to the state uh, and on the federal level as well. Mark, I want to ask you a little bit more about teen pregnancy. You said it was 49th out of 50th. What are some of the contributors to that? Would it be uh, sex education in schools, no access to um, to clinics, or what, what is it? I think it's a combination of all of those uh, factors, and I think it also comes down to opportunity. I think, you know, worked around young folks my entire career. I think when kids, you know, know that they uh, have a good education and they have opportunity, um, and they have access to health services, um, they have access to a good education, you know, they're, they're engaged in, in, in um, pursuing their op- those opportunities. And if those opportunities don't exist, um, they're going to, you know, uh, get involved in uh, teen and pregnancy. They're going to get involved in breaking the law. Um, you know, so I think it's, it's a comprehensive approach, and there are states that are doing this. Um, but when you have, uh, you know, a lack of investment uh, on the state level in these areas and the education system doesn't offer, you know, strong opportunities, you see these uh, behaviors from kids, and it's not a good situation. Did you look at birth to 18 years old? We did. We looked at that, and we looked at uh, the high school dropout rates on a statewide basis. Uh, but this report, uh, again, which is at savethechildren.org slash childhood, is the first of its kind look at countywide data. Um, and those uh, indicators that we looked at on the countywide data are a little different, but, again, uh, very uh, with a lot of overlap and malnutrition uh, dropping out from high school, the teenage pregnancy rate, and then what we're calling the early death due to ill health, accident, murder, and suicide. I want to ask you about that because you also mentioned infant mortality. Is that the primary reason for death, young deaths, infant deaths? Yes, it is uh, for, obviously, the youngest kids. Um, you know, again, there are counties uh, across Mississippi uh, that are – uh, doing better than other counties across Mississippi. There is there is a gap. 
Uh, overall, across the state, that gap is not that big, and that's because um, there is this general struggles for kids all across Mississippi. And I think I'm hoping that people will vote, will get engaged, uh, will demand change from their elected officials, uh, and demand, you know, so many politicians. Um, Karen talk about kids being the most important resource and our f- children want to invest there. But when the rhetoric re- meets reality, you see that politicians don't invest in kids and they don't invest in poor kids. And that's why Save the Children and our s- sister organization, Save the Children Action Network, is trying to mobilize Americans to demand that political leaders invest in Things like high-quality early childhood education, uh, you know, on a, on a federal level, Head Start programs that work, early Head Start that works as well. In fact, that 50% of our kids that are eligible for Head Start, at least 50% don't get those services because there's no funding, is outrageous. The fact that early Head Start reaches only about 5% of the eligible kids, again, is just a lack of political will to support children and especially poor kids and it's really and you see that you see the social unrest across the country is tied into racial inequalities and a lack of investment in particularly poor and brown communities and you see that across mississippi and across the country as well there's a lot to digest here the report is called the best and worst places for children in america what's the website one more time mark the website is savethechildren.org slash childhood, and I think if the folks go and look at that, they're going to see, um, which probably won't surprise people, uh, and that in and of itself is an issue, uh, but the bottom-ranked counties are mostly uh, communities of color. They're rural, they're poor, and they're concentrated in the South, and it's disproportionately affecting Native American kids and African American kids, and, um, you know... Michael Harrington wrote a famous book from 50-plus years ago called The Other America. And, you know, see articles across the country today talking about two Americas. And the answer is no kidding. It's been that way for, for, cent- for decades, if not centuries. And I just wish the political leadership would wake up and really make an investment in this. Mark K. Shriver is the Senior Vice President of U.S. Programs and Advocacy at Save the Children and President of Save the Children Action Network. Thank you very much, Mark. Thanks for having me, Karen. In other news, a Hattiesburg nursing home has had the most coronavirus deaths among long-term care facilities in Mississippi. Bedford Care Center has had 25 deaths from COVID-19. That's according to information the state health department released late Wednesday. Six other long-term care facilities had at least 10 deaths each. The department started releasing names of the facilities after several news organizations sought the information and one newspaper sued. Mississippi has had more than 16,500 cases of the virus and nearly 800 deaths from it. As cases of COVID-19 in Mississippi near the 17,000 mark, the Department of Health is continuing its one-day collection efforts. There will be two remote testing sites on Monday, June 8th. Clark County at the Clark County Emergency Management Agency um, in Quitman and the Cahoma County Youth Outreach Expo building in Clarksdale. Anyone experiencing, experiencing symptoms or who has known or potential exposure 
exposure to someone with COVID-19 can get a screening with a clinician on the UMMC C Spire app. That is a free app. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Thanks.